Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Welcome. We got Philip Sexton, Guy Huglet. Good morning, guys. Morning. Good morning. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the economy and uh, various things okay. pertaining to that. Philip, you've got some stories here you want to get into, but uh, let's talk a little bit about what the market's been doing here in the last few days. We we thought we were headed into an apocalypse <laughs> uh, in December, and uh, things have turned around quite a bit. Yeah, it's uh, you've actually seen seen the market over really the past two weeks, first two weeks of the year has really had a nice move up. Um, you know, and it, it's it's been on some some hope of some trade deals. Uh, you've seen company earnings start to come out uh, really over this week. Um, kind of mixed results, but uh, for the most part, positive earnings. Right. Uh, you know, it, there's been a lot of uh, positives still going on in the economy, and uh, you know, hopefully, an end to the shutdown and in, and into the trade war and. Wham, I bam. think if you got an end to the shutdown, the market might rally 600 points that day. Could potentially, <laughs> you know. Well, 800,000 people without work right now. No, that's, that's a lot of cash not being spent. It is. Yeah, that's uh that's you know, it kind of sucks some of your. Uh, it sucks a lot of your GDP out. Actually, mm -hmm. you know, it's people not like like Guy said, it's people not buying everyday products, not buying gasoline, not buying shampoo because you just can't right you just you're just sitting at home doing nothing i heard something interesting about that this week but i'm not real sure what it is maybe you guys can comment but i heard that central bank uh came out with a announcement that they're gonna provide some type of relief for furloughed workers have you guys heard anything about that yeah there's been several banks that have done that that have said they were going to do that uh so central bank here central bank in lexington yeah yeah that that's been going on around the country yeah and you know you, there's a lot of banks that are giving out you know kind of like short term uh, zero interest lending, zero interest stuff, yeah. stuff like that uh you've you've seen some uh foundations like you know calipari's foundations helping uh some of the furloughed workers too you, you've just seen people stepping up right right yeah that's kind of a nice nice thing I I think that it'll get fixed at some point, you know. Well, I mean that's obvious, but uh, maybe sooner than later. I think whichever side steps up and says, "Okay, we're willing to do this for the benefit of the workers," that side will be the one that wins the debate, you know, from a political point of view. Well, there's supposed to be an announcement today, correct? The president's going to make an announcement. Do we have any idea what that's about? I don't know. It's it's at three o'clock. I have no clue. Right. <laughs> maybe maybe John Short knows. He didn't mention it in his. No, he, he did it earlier. Unfortunately. Yeah. I tell you the the thing that I really liked was the the whole uh, during the shutdown what uh, what Trump did with when Clemson came to visit the White House. I thought that was pretty cool. He bought them all uh, like big Wendy's <laughs> and yeah. McDonald's, and he yeah. had a big had a big spread of fast food. As Clark, my son, said, football players don't care what it is. They just want to know if there's a lot of it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got some stories here. 
one of them is about the state of Utah, how Utah shows how labor force growth fuels economic growth. So what's this all about? <laughs> so it's this right here. So, you know, a few weeks back, uh, we had this discussion on the Japanese economy and why it's been stagnant for many years. And you look at the demographic shift of Japan. Well, this right here just piggybacks right off of that. Utah, uh, if you do a state-by-state state GDP, yeah. or a state-by-state state, you know, growth rate, consumption growth rate, Utah has outpaced the rest of the nation yeah. by a pretty wide margin. When you Because of the youth of the... Yeah. When you look, uh, th- there was a guy, it talks about, like the first example, there was a guy that he was uh, wanting to start an outdoor apparel and, and things business. Uh, he was going to go to California, and he thought to himself, no, Utah was the place. He said there's over 200,000 full-time students which is his prime demographic you know that would buy that stuff Mm -hmm. within an hour's spot of where he was at when you look at utah the birth rate is three times the national average really yes uh because uh there's a big uh was the the church of latter-day saints yes mormons Uh uh-huh you know they're they're big on big families right well and they don't believe in birth control either. Is that correct? I think so. I don't right. know. Well, yeah, because they also don't. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but the thing about it is, is um, what my what my whole opinion on economics is, is when you have more people to buy more things, mm-hmm. inevitably it's going to spur growth. Right. You know, now it, it talks about, you, of course, you've got to have educated and skilled people. You can't just have a bunch of cavemen walking around. Yeah. But inevitably, <laughs> you know, if you, if you see, and, and that's really, it talks about what's happened over the past few decades with how the economy has kind of slowed down significantly on growth. Uh, basically, you know, you look at the baby boomer era. Well, Utah hasn't seen that because of their yeah. birth rate. Right. So it's it's a pretty interesting. Uh, Bas- basically, you've got to. Basically, I'm, I'm telling you that to have babies. Yeah. But let's. And let's, you're following. And you're. I'm just, doing my uh, part. You're, you're doing your part. So so I'd like to comment a little bit on this because I thought it was a really interesting story as well. Yeah. And, and here's something that's kind of positive for us right here in Lexington, Kentucky. I don't know if y'all remember this, but. Several years ago, Commerce Lexington, our chamber, our economic development group, went to Austin, Texas to study some of their best practices and bring them back to Lexington. And one of the things they learned about Austin, Texas, is that the college kids graduating from the University of Texas would not leave. Yeah, they stayed there. They stayed. And there was job opportunities for them all over the country and uh, excellent job opportunities. But they didn't want to leave because Austin provided them with a level of entertainment and a quality of life that they they passionately desired. So, listen, Lexington took note of that. Uh And I don't know if y'all been paying any attention lately, but, you know, we're doing a pretty good job right here in our backyard of doing the same. Same thing. Jim Gray 
has had a lot to do with that. And I'll tell you who else has had a lot to do with that. Former University of Kentucky President Dr. Lee Todd. If you all recall, many years ago, the University of Kentucky was growing away yeah. from downtown. Dr. Todd turned that aircraft carrier around and headed it back towards downtown. Town and gown. Town and gown. And now we have a community, you guys, that is filled with a passion of young college graduates wanting to stay and work and create economic development in our community. And, you know, we've got a huge uh, uh, stream of young startup companies happening in this town and jim gray had a lot to do with that too we got to give him plenty of credit where credit's due but i've got some statistics to give you guys just just looking at this i thought y'all be interested to know but you know we have over sixteen thousand students a year graduate right here in lexington kentucky really now think about that that's that's pretty that's ample workforce yeah okay uh sixty percent of our population or enrolled in college or grad school. We rank number three in the country. Really? Where yeah. are you getting these? Commerce Lexington really? statistics. These, this is economic dashboard information that when companies are looking to locate in central Kentucky, this is where they go. Really? So, listen, we've got something really good going on right here in this community, and we need to be talking more about it. Right. So That's great. Just a f- little bit of fun facts for us this morning. Well, so you you could even look at Fayette County and say what the job growth rate is compared to the rest of Kentucky, and it may be up there on par with what Utah is. I would say, you know, it, it's 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 definitely a lot better than the the rest of the state. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's still a lot that could be done. Yeah. You know. It, oh yeah. Uh, at, at times, I feel like the state can be very business unfriendly. Uh, well, that that is that is a concern we have to all work with. Yeah, yeah. and that's the bureaucracy. That's uh, right. You know, but it you you look at things like Toyota, for example. You know, they came here for certain reasons. Uh, now, I don't know. You know, I think that has a lot to do with kind of things of that nature. You know, uh, things of the the, the demographic shifts and, and the, the college rates too. You know, I look at, uh, Toyota actually has a program now where you can go straight out of high school into some kind of college field, you know, whether it be robotics or, or engineering that Toyota actually, you, you work there, but you work through the whole college degree too. Right. And they've right. got the campus. They got the campus a mile down the road from my house. Right. You know, it, it's, there's a lot of good businesses around here that are really investing into the education of their employees. Okay, we got to take a break. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Better fences. A barrier. A wall. A wall. Fencing. Barrier. barrier. Fence. A wall. Slap fence. Whatever it's called. This is where you call in. Build a wall. Get the wall built. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. During times of market volatility, as we have just experienced, it's easy for investors to panic. Some investors want an easy solution, like an annuity, to manage the ups and downs of the market. Some want to seek the safety of bonds and bond funds. 
At times like this, it's often wise to examine what the long-term returns of equities have been versus other asset classes. At Dupree Financial Group, we use times of market volatility as an opportunity to purchase securities at lower prices than where they may have recently traded. If you'd like to know how our investment process may help you and your retirement investments, then give us a call at 859-233-0400 to set up an appointment. It may be an eye-opening experience for you in this new year. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree show. Could Social Security really go broke? What do you think? Well, this guy think. I tell you what, that is actually a really good interview. Um, you know, I, I would I would encourage people to read it. It's uh, it's in, it's in Barron's actually by Mark Holbert. Yeah, um, he talks about the the last time Social Security had any changes done to it and what year what year i have highlighted on there is like 2034 2030 well it's supposed to go broke in 2034 the last time they said it was going to go broke i think was back in the 70s maybe yeah um and it was supposed to go broke in july because he talks about how you know we're we're, everybody's afraid that it's going to go broke but when you look at past history Nobody messes with Social Security because it's political suicide until it actually has to happen. Uh, yeah. They were supposed to go broke back in the 70s in, like, July. They they made changes in March <laughs> on Social Security, uh, which extended it all the way out to 2034. And he talks about how the the changes that they make, that they made, were so tiny at the time but it can make such a a huge change. Uh, he he did, for example, he did an example in there that one potential change that they could make. He didn't recommend it, but he said that, um, for example, if you decrease the expected COLAs, cost of living adjustments, by 1%, and if you look on the average, uh, what the average Social Security earner gets, uh, that that's basically like decreasing their monthly paycheck by fourteen dollars a month. Um, moving forward, you would stretch that twenty thirty four number by ten years. Really? Yes. So it says here in the article, what lessons can we learn from this experience? One is that we shouldn't be surprised if our politicians wait to the last minute to make necessary changes to the Social Security system. If so, then we probably should assume that Social Security's current payout rules will stay largely or completely in place for the next 15 years. 
Um, the other lesson changes when they eventually do get an actor are likely to be incremental rather than draconian. Yeah. So you, you're never going to see a huge overhaul because you don't necessarily need a huge overhaul to make the plan, to extend the life of the plan. Um, you know, that's why I put this in here because, you know, there's a lot of people that are thinking about when do I take social security or, you know, I need to, I need to be careful with social security and it's probably not going to be there. You, you hear that a lot, you know, it, it, with my generation, oh, social security is not going to be there when I, when I'm ready to retire. I don't think that's true. Yeah. You know, I, I think that there's always going to be these minor tweaks to social security. Medicare is the big one. Medicare yeah. is, is the one that, that could really end up being in trouble. Yeah. And I think the problem with Medicare, you know, compared to social security is social security is, is basically a pension plan of mm -hmm. sorts. Um, Medicare is a plan to pay medical expenses once you hit a certain age and you you've seen what the inflation rate has been in the medical field you know that's what's that's what a devastating blow is to medicare um you know i think with social security when you're looking at that it's you it's just a, a monthly paycheck mm -hmm. you know they don't really care what medical costs are doing or or you know the price of gasoline or the price of eggs in china you know it's They've got that set income. It's up to you to figure out how you want to buy goods and services with it. Right. Yeah. You know, the <clears throat> the fact that we're really even having to talk about this stuff is, is not positive news. And <clears throat> so there's, I think it's important that we really remind ourselves, you know, the significance of really being diligent and taking the time to sit down with your financial advisor yeah. And talk about retirement planning because absolutely th this is something that, you know, is not going to go away. And, you know, that's something we do real well at yeah. the pre-financial group. That's right. And, uh, you know, so because of our good, good point that you make there, because that's why we're around is that we believe that, you know, your retirement income needs to come from more sources than just Social Security. Yeah. And our main goal is to make sure that all your assets and everything align to produce an income to meet your spending needs. Um, not necessarily your spending habits. Uh, if you have, <laughs> right. bad, if you have bad habits, we will tell you that you have bad habits, oh, yeah. but to meet the needs that you, that you have, that's our goal. And social security is a factor in that equation. Yep. You know, but you need to have other sources other than just Social Security. That's right. That's uh, that's that's probably the first. That's one of the first things we do when any new person comes in is is we look at their sources of income. Yes, and and go about it that way, and and really kind of hone in on where everything is. Right. Appreciate it. Uh, Stay with us. We'll talk some more about uh, these things when we, in the next segment. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. 
Hey America, the cannabis industry is on the rise. There's an easy way to learn more about the cannabis industry. Just go and visit hightimes.com. That's hightimes.com. Welcome home with Guardian Savings Bank every Saturday morning at 10 on News Radio 630 WLAP. Get the facts about the local housing market and hear expert advice on buying, selling, and refinancing. Guardian Savings Bank, your financial guardian since 1895. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Ever wonder why Europeans seem to speak so many languages? Maybe it's because they use Babbel, the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Babbel's award-winning technology gets you speaking right away, whether you're learning Spanish, French, or German. And best of all, you'll remember what you've learned. I always thought I was bad at languages, but after using Babbel, I can tell you I was just taught the wrong way. Using Babbel's 10 to 15 minute lessons, you can be speaking confidently in your new language within weeks. I was amazed that I could start having real life conversations right away. It was so fast. Now I'm speaking Spanish. Woohoo! <laughs> no wonder Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Try it for yourself and see why Babbel is the quick way to get conversational in a new language, like Spanish, French, or more. You can try Babbel for free. Go to Babbel.com or download the app and try it for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com, or download the app to try it for free. That's Babbel.com. Storm impacting the region over the next few days. Heavy rain today may cause some local high water issues. Your temperatures reach 50 and then drop through the 20s into the teens. Late this evening into the overnight, rain will change to snow. We'll see a period of moderate to heavy snow that will put accumulations down, and it will also create slick travel conditions. Roads will likely become slick and hazardous overnight into early on Sunday. Wind chill, by the way, near zero. First thing on Sunday, the flurries left over, a high only around 20. I'm WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Message and data rates may apply. Earning your degree from one of the top business schools in the country might sound impossible to fit into your workload. But what if there were a business degree that furthered your career and gave you access to world-renowned faculty, leaders, and mentors, all on your schedule? One that opened doors to some of the most influential CEOs, tech companies, law firms, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. And what if you could earn that degree in as little as 16 months, 100% online? To find out more, text PROUD to 79645. That's P-R-O-U-D to 79645. 
Start your online MBA, information management, or business analytics master's program from the W.P. Carey School of Business at Arizona State University today. Learn more about the W.P. Carey Business Graduate Programs online. Text PROUD to 79645. That's P-R-O-U-D to 79645. Before you commit to buying any other crossover, you must check out the all-new 2019 Cadillac X-T4 crossover. X-T4 is stunning in and out, featuring modern amenities, advanced technology, and segment-leading rear legroom and knee clearance for backseat passengers. With X-T4, you don't have to settle. At Quantrell, spec and price yours out with the exact features you want at a price you're willing to pay. And the best part? X-T4 starts at only $34,990 at Quantrell Cadillac. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree show. All right, you get into something I understand something about. Value stocks are so cheap they might be ready to run. What do you say about that? You know, value stocks are stocks that are not what you would consider big-name companies. Sometimes they are sometimes hidden in the limelight. Uh, they're a little bit behind the curve in terms of their growth, they're companies that are in sometimes boring businesses, businesses that people just aren't that excited about, but that produce good cash flow. That's what it takes to make it a value stock. And they yeah. trade at a lower multiple sometimes than other things. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at really over like the last three to four years, well, I would say the last maybe three I don't want to stretch it to four. You you had your FANG stocks really dominate the market for a long time. That's Facebook, Amazon, Amazon Apple, Netflix, Netflix, and Google. All all kind of growthy names. Um, Apple being kind of the outlier of sorts. Yeah, it's more of a value stock. Uh, you know, and, and you saw the value stocks lag in that time. Uh so, you know, and it talks about the wild sell-off in 2018 uh, may have provided the reset value stocks need. Uh, for starters, the entire market is cheaper than it was a year ago. Uh, earnings estimates have improved 18% over the past year, but the P.E. Uh, of the S&P uh, in December was trading at 13.6 times forward earnings. Uh, that number settled to 15.2 as of uh, Wednesday. It's a lot cheaper from a uh, from a multiple standpoint than it was four months ago, five months ago, right. and when you start to look at some of these names, they're starting to trade significantly below even historical averages. You know, and when you're trading below a historical average from a a, a multiple standpoint, and you still have solid earnings growth 
You know, it says S&P 500 earnings estimates have improved 18% over the past year. So if, if you've got if you've got a company that's growing their earnings, trading below historic multiples, it's kind of a no-brainer of sorts from mm-hmm. an investment standpoint. You know, that's that's called value investing at its finest. Right. Sorry, I was talking to you guys and my mic wasn't on. <laughs> it that happens. It's Saturday morning. I had to fire up the Mercury outboard to get in here. So <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to reset. But one of the things he talked about in the article that I thought was interesting was that a lot of these value companies are also, uh, they rely on debt debt products, high leverage mm-hmm. uh, to to, you know, and a lot of the companies that we invest in at Dupree, uh, you know, that is not the case. We, we, we pay a close attention to the balance sheet, and they're companies that generate, you know, their own revenue and cash flow, and they don't have to access the debt markets for capital. Right. I love how you always do. Yeah, he always brings it back to Dupree and me. Yeah. You know, and that's what, from a, a research standpoint— <laughs> You want a company that's consistent. You want a company that's going to pay a consistent income. We right. talked in the last break about Social Security. You know, you, yeah. you you want you need consistent income because that's what's got to be there for you to live off of. Right. Well, if a company's got a balance sheet that's highly, highly leveraged, you can't put consistency around its income production, mm-hmm. you know, because that could go away tomorrow. Right. You slip up on one bond and you're in trouble. Although most businesses do use some form of leverage, you know, yes, we try to avoid too much. Yeah, you know, leverage is an is a good thing if used properly. Correct. You know, guy, you you've had years of experience in the banking industry, and right. And, you know, companies that use leverage, they're not bad companies. They're they're companies that are trying to spur growth. It has to do with cash flow. Even after you pay back the debt, do you still have good cash flow? Exactly. You know, and, and do you have, do you, is the debt enabling you to grow that cash flow to more than offset the debt that you took on? Right. You know, cause that's right. If you like, I would be very leery of a company that took on excess debt to buy back shares. Mm-hmm that wasn't paying a dividend or something like that. You know, that's, that's very speculative purchasing through debt metrics. Right. That's uh, you know, that'd be like Amazon saying, well, we're going to take out a billion dollars worth of debt to go buy some shares. Yeah. You know, what are you, what are you going to do with those shares? If they double in value, you're going to resell them. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, what happens if they drop in value? Well, now you just, now you're paying 4% interest uh, on something that fell in value. Right. <clears throat> well, you know, one of the things, and I think we're going to talk about this here shortly, and I'll, I'll just kind of tee this up, but, you know, Netflix announced this week that it's going to raise its subscription rate. Right. And the reason they're doing that is to generate more revenue to bolster their product, to, yeah. you know, spend a little bit more money on movies and recruiting top talent, et cetera. 
which is another form of leveraging, obviously. (laughs) But it's going to be interesting to see the impact that has on that whole, you know, uh, streaming entertainment industry. What I've noticed in that that whole entire industry, and I mean, it's Netflix, Hulu, you've got AT&T's in it now, Disney's- Roku. Roku, Disney's getting in it. It is content creation is what the battle is over now you know because for netflix to raise their their prices there has to be people are people have to be willing to pay that you know and for people to be willing to pay that there has to be better content on netflix than the next best alternative you know or or something of that sort what you've seen with Netflix, you know, they had the movie The Bird Box come out, or you know, they they've been plowing hundreds of millions of dollars into content creation, you know, making their own TV shows, making their own movies. Um, it's it, it's kind of a weird thing, you know. It's it's there's going to be winners and losers in this industry because who can make the best content for the cheapest buck? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you've seen a, I, i've i've watched a lot of these netflix originals that are just uh kind of junk um really you know bird box was a was a huge hit uh i've got this other article here from from barons though but on the movie the bird box this is very interesting to me so it's in it was in barons uh and it's called the street made an idiotic call in valuing netflix's bird box analysts say uh, is, wow, it's written by uh, Jack uh, Hugh. Oh, sorry, the picture said Jason Aldean. Aldin. Um, so Netflix on December 28th tweeted that its exclusive release had been watched by more than 45 million accounts in its first seven days, a uh, record many stock bulls and pundits pointed out at the time that if each of those accounts had bought a $9 theater ticket, to see the film, it would have grossed $400 million, putting it on par with big screen blockbusters. Here's the catch-22, though. The problem with that line of thinking is that the marginal cost for a Netflix subscriber to watch the film is zero, mm-hmm. uh, wrote Wedbush securities analyst Michael Patcher in a Monday note to investors. Instead, take the film's percentage of monthly viewership hours, and apply that percentage to the subscription price. Right. That's roughly two hours divided by an estimated 40 hours the average subscriber spends on the platform each month times about $10 for an average subscription, which works out to $0.50 cents per viewer. With 45 million viewers, that's $23 million. Figures likely in line with the film's production costs. So... That right there, I find very interesting, you know, from a valuation standpoint and from a research standpoint, you saw all these analysts look at this thing and say, oh, golly, they got a $400 million film. Well, people were already paying for Netflix well before Bird Box was on there, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it, it's not a 400, you know, it's not like you picked up 45 million subscribers because of Bird Box. That is, that's, that's why you have to be very careful with your research. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's why at the pre-financial we do research as a team. Yeah, 
because I could come in one day and say, hey, Netflix just, you know, they got this $400 million movie. And then you could look at me and say, no, they got a $23 million movie and here's why. You know, you can you can get kind of um, different roles of thinking and really break it down into what's truly going on. You know, if you have just one person looking at looking at your, your portfolio and making all the decisions, that can be a dangerous game because, you know, I, stock investing is the most humbling thing there is. Mm-hmm. Everybody at some point in their life is going to be wrong. That's right. You might want to talk about Blackstone, which is a company that we actually uh, own a position in instead of one we don't own. (laughs) Yeah, we don't own Netflix. We don't own Netflix. And nothing that we say is uh, a recommendation to own anything either. Uh, So Blackstone, we do own some Blackstone, as you said. Blackstone has, uh, they started a special fund for growth investing now by that you know that means uh the unit will take stakes in companies in a phase of development falling between early stage venture capital and more mature traditional buyout targets so that's kind of like in that stage where it may be just now starting to make a profit or break even because venture capital usually is a company that's still not producing a profit. Right. Um, but they're growing at a very rapid rate. <clears throat> now, Blackstone, what they are is they're a hedge fund conglomerate or a fund conglomerate, being that their funds are uh, usually accredited investors, give them money, uh on a contract where it may be locked up for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that 10 years, Blackstone can invest it how it sees fit. They charge a management fee on that money of usually somewhere between 1% and 2% annually. And then there's incentive hurdle rates. So if you hit you know, certain investment return thresholds, you collect incentive fees. Yeah. Now, we don't invest for growth at Dupree Financial because growth, you never know when it'll happen. Right. The thing I like about this idea, though, is Blackstone, with their those funds, they have a long time horizon, mm-hmm. you know, in a contract. You have the ability to watch that money grow. There's not necessarily a need from the investors in that money from an income standpoint. You don't put money in a hedge fund needing income from it. Right. uh, That that doesn't make any sense at all. You're you're investing in a hedge fund for outsized returns. Yeah. Now, while we own Blackstone, because you're probably sitting at home going, well, you know, you just talked about income and everything. While we own Blackstone is because all those management fees, all those incentive fees, they funnel up through the company and get paid out in the form of dividends. And become income to the shareholders. And become income to the shareholders. So Or unit holders. It is our way of taking advantage of the ability to invest money over a very long time horizon. Mm-hmm. 
without um, any implications of people pulling it away from you at the wrong time. You know, first sign of volatility, I'm grabbing my money and running. No, they're able to wait things out like that. Right. You know, you, you, you talked about in, in your new ad, you know, volatile times present opportunity. Yep. Blackstone sees volatility as opportunity. That's why they're starting this this specific fund. Yeah. You know, so they can go in and take advantage of it, and they have a long, long time horizon. Ten years from now, we may see a nice little dividend off of this. That's right. Yeah. Stay with us. Let's take a break. It is the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP. Better fences. A barrier. A wall. A wall. Fencing. Barrier. Fence. A wall. Slap fence. Whatever it's called. This is where you call in. Build a wall. Get the wall built. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. During times of market volatility, as we have just experienced, it's easy for investors to panic. Some investors want an easy solution, like an annuity, to manage the ups and downs of the market. Some want to seek the safety of bonds and bond funds. At times like this, it's often wise to examine what the long-term returns of equities have been versus other asset classes. At Dupree Financial Group, we use times of market volatility as an opportunity to purchase securities at lower prices than where they may have recently traded. If you'd like to know how our investment process may help you and your retirement investments, then give us a call at 859-233-0400 to set up an appointment. It may be an eye-opening experience for you in this new year. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree show. You know, there's a asset class of, of bonds that are categorized as below investment grade or junk. And they have been downgraded severely in this recent market pullback. But some people think they may be a good buy right now. Yeah. it's uh, So it was article from Bloomberg and it was junk bonds forecasts are quickly going from good to great. And it's by Kelsey Butler. What you saw at the end of last year was a flight to quality of sorts. You know, anything that was deemed risky was gone from a portfolio. You saw a huge sell-off in junk bonds, uh, bonds below investment grade. Um, an interesting thing that it, it talks about in the article, uh, and we had talked about this in the past, is that in December... December was the first month with no junk bond issuance 
that's in almost a decade. Uh, it says in that time in that month, high yield debt fell two point one four percent. So what you started to see from the beginning of the year, though, is there's starting to be more issues. Uh, you started to see interest rates start to normalize. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's been a three percent uh, jump in the in the total amount of debt now, so they're starting to issue more debt. Um, you've seen Barclays, uh, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan. They've all raised their total return prospects on junk bonds. Really? Uh, two reasons. Reason one is they've, they've, well, it's mainly one reason. Reason one is they've fallen so much in price, you know, from September of last year that the yield that you're receiving on the bonds is a much greater yield mm-hmm. than they were. You, you've watched uh, over the past five months, yield spreads have, uh, have widened, credit spreads have widened yeah. uh, between junk and treasuries and just corporates and treasuries in general. And so now you you've you've got a base interest rate that's a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't you, if you start to see you know one or two points of uh, movement in the price one way or another. Well, the interest rate is you know can if it's if the points are down, the interest rate is much higher anyway. And if you see uh, people start to get back in because of uh, kind of a risk-on mentality, because uh, you've seen, you know, economic news that's starting to look a little more favorable than it did three months ago, then you get appreciation on top of the income right. you're getting. Um, you know, the the biggest thing, because we look at junk bonds upon occasion, the biggest thing is always be cautious of, the cash flows of the company right you know it's uh you always want to produce an income but you you want to do it prudently that's right uh that's what we're trying to do when we we look at our junk bond positions is you know we look at the balance sheet look at the cash flows of the company uh and you can produce an outsized return if you've done it right yeah you know you know the thing that i like about this story is once again, it's it's good news that they believe the economic indicators are solid. It's going to be another good year for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, companies are going to do well. They're going to continue to grow, and they're going to show solid return. That's right. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that we really do well down at Dupree Financial. We spend a lot of time looking at investment opportunities that best suit our clients that's right and i like to always say this to you guys i'll never miss an opportunity to tell the story the story and you know at dupree we're a candid and diligent guide for our clients and we're forthright in our ongoing relationships and investment approach that's right and our mission is to educate and empower our clients to live an enjoyable life during retirement and it just doesn't get any purer than that, y'all. Yeah, it is pure. Really been fun being with you guys today. Yeah. We love having you on, guy, and you're welcome anytime. Just as long as you're rah-rah. <laughs> when you're down in the dumps, we don't want you. 
<laughs> God gets down in the dumps, no, no. we're all in trouble. Yeah, never if he gonna gets down in the dumps, we're in trouble. <laughs> Listen, I'm the attitude of gratitude guy. That's he me. He really is. Yeah. He's happy to be here. Chris Chris Kringle's nephew himself. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, yeah, I think that it needs to be said that if you are interested in having your portfolio looked at, give us a call at 859-233. 0400 or uh you can email us at info at com. we'd be glad to take a look at your portfolio and go over it and uh sort of give you an idea of how we might approach things we meet with you every six months when you become a client so we like to keep you coming in and speaking with us one thing one thing to add is you know we're a team we are a team. Why Why get one person when you can have the Can't team? Can't tell? We're a team, baby. Right. Oh, yeah. It's been good talking to you today. Thank you for listening to us. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show. Everybody stay warm. Stay off the roads. News Radio 630 WLAP. I'm Steve Drury, Senior Pastor of the Trinity Hill United Methodist Church located at the corner of Tate's Creek and Armstrong Mill Roads. I once had someone ask me, do you believe God will give me a second chance? The question surprised me. Yes, I answered, but God's grace doesn't have anything to do with numbers. If we sincerely want forgiveness and seek his